0: Hi, this is Tom from The Happiness Quotient. Thank you for clicking on this episode. If you've chosen to listen to some of my first episodes, 60 or so, they were created before I changed the name to The Happiness Quotient. Don't be confused if you hear my voice welcoming you to Baker Street with Tom Pollard, or if you hear me referencing my YouTube channel, Everest Mystery, you're still in the right place. Until I'm a big star and can hire an editor and producer to change every episode to reflect the platform, my gut tells me you'll be okay with hearing Baker Street or Everest Mystery when you click on an episode to the happiness quotient. It's all me, so let's just consider us one big happy family where we all learn together, brought here by our common interests and our desire to create a better world one episode at a time. I love you. Thank you. Now to the episode. This is The Happiness Quotient. For a free PDF download of A Course in Happiness, go to patreon.com slash the happiness quotient, or if it's more convenient... Check it out on my website at eyesopenproductions.com slash happiness. And I welcome your thoughts and ideas, too, on your happiness quotient.
1: All of my wisdom came from all the toughest days. I never learned a thing being happy. All of my suffering came, I didn't appreciate it.
0: Welcome to the Happiness Quotient. I'm Tom Pollard. I had a dream last night. Some context first. Outside of the kitchen window of the cabin where I used to live is the most incredible birch tree. I'd stare at it while cooking or doing the dishes, intrigued with its imperfections, twists and turns, its aged wisdom. It was about ten inches thick at most at the base, bending, twisting, reaching up to the sky, branches spreading outward in every direction. When walking past it, I'd often stop and greet it, place my hands gently on it, feel the smooth birch bark and bumpy little notches and stubs where a branch had once been. Mind you, I live in the woods, and no one, as far as I know, has ever seen me talking to my tree friend. I've always admired the beautiful tree. It's set within a green, glowing canopy of pine and deciduous trees, maple and oak. Trees hold an ancient wisdom, and this tree always spoke to me. It inspired me. It made me feel connected to the planet in the same way I guess I feel when my bare feet are cushioned by plush moss on soft earth and or dirt, fresh, warm dirt on a summer day. In the dream, the birch tree, this birch tree, approached me. It took me by the hand and asked me, communicating to me through thought, to go for a walk. It had something to show me. We were suddenly seated beside each other, high up on the flank of a hill, looking downward into a desolate, barren amphitheater, laying out for acre upon acre. Not a whisper of green existed, only stumps of trees smoking slowly as if a fire had just ravaged what, in my perception, had previously been an abundant, lush forest home to deer, bear, birds, and all sorts of animals. It was truly a grim scene. The tree sat silently as I stared, thinking. I knew the birch tree was offering me a glimpse into the future, into a possible future. In thought, I knew that in showing me this, it was some sort of call to action, that the metaphor of a burnt forest represented the decay of fragments of our society, made up of countless individuals not rising to their own personal power, their own accountability. Countless people not taking into accordance the vital importance of accepting responsibility. As we stood up to go, the scene suddenly vanished. I was now in the presence of a man, a man in his 50s, and he carried a leather-bound journal under one arm. At the ready, should he have a notable thought that he needed to jot down. The man was a studious, like a hipster-type guy, dressed casually like a college professor, baggy khaki pants, worn leather shoes, an Oxford shirt and a sleeveless sweater vest, curls of hair tucked behind his ears. We were having a conversation, again, without any words actually being spoken communicating telepathically, walking together, viewing scenes of the things that we were conversing about. And like a diorama, the scene would spin or turn, revealing each new scene when our conversation moved on to another topic. He listened intently to my observations, nodding occasionally, thoughtfully. I had the feeling that in this conversation, He was confirming something that he was looking for in me, the person that I am, and he needed to have this confirmation before sharing with me the final scene. It went without mention that the scenes we are looking at depicted not the future of society, but more of me, of my own future, of an individual's future, as it relates to a greater community, to society, In the recent events here in the United States and world where dis-ease is rampant, an opposition leader for the people is jailed in Russia for no apparent reason, and hundreds if not thousands of individuals storm the U.S. Capitol on January 6th on the bequest of their narcissistic leader, twice impeached, disgraced in the belief, in the lie, that the election had been stolen from them. In order to start a revolution, my friend, conveyed to me through thought, one must begin by deep reflection of self. Nowhere else. We must be willing to undergo a complete review of all one has ever learned, to not judge outwardly, not to be focused on current events or news or politics or be distracted by social media to go deep inward. Purely and truly, the revolution begins with individual accountability. Then suddenly the diorama turned and we looked down upon a couch, an old, very comfortable couch, so old you might see it in front of a house with a free sign left on it, in hopes that, say, some college students who share a house might stop and load it into the back of a pickup truck and drive it away. I've actually had a few of those couches in my day, and they feel great. And then you don't feel so bad when you throw them away at the end of whatever the lease was that you had with your roommates. I stared at that couch knowing that my deep reflection was meant to begin. And I looked up to see the man, and he was walking away. And then I awoke and immediately reached for my hard-bound journal. I didn't want to forget this one, which, perhaps not ironically, that journal of mine looked not unlike the journal the man in my dream was carrying under his arm. Revolution starts from within, ignited and fueled by individuals willing to be held accountable for their own actions, for their thoughts, for their intentions. Only then can a true revolution begin, one which has a lasting impact of the greater good of not only that person, him or herself, but of society and possibly the entire world. Okay, dream time is over. In the news lately, you might have noticed, if you are actually breathing, that there's an impeachment trial going on in the United States in which the ex-president, who held a rally outside the White House shortly before the January 6th Capitol riots began, is being charged with making statements that encouraged and foreseeably resulted in lawless action at the Capitol. Carl Bernstein, a journalist whom I've admired for many years, a man of integrity and talent and wisdom, he won fame by breaking open the Watergate story during the Nixon administration. He said of our ex-president yesterday, after watching the prosecution, who showed a 13-minute video, a heartbreaking video, showing the timeline of events that took place on January 6th, And footage, well, it's almost too hard to watch. I've seen some of it, but a lot of it had never been seen before. A lot of the people were wearing emblems or patches associated with a radical group, many of them fighting Capitol Police. And Bernstein said some shocking words, some very harsh words. He said, quote, This is unprecedented. This is a seditious president of the United States who has undermined the very basis of our democracy, who does not care about the loss of life. I'm going to skip forward in the quote. He talks a little bit about COVID and the poor handling of COVID. And then he says again, quote, but let's talk about one other thing. This event we witnessed today in these horrible videos is about the presence of evil and the evil here is an evil president of the United States. Those are the words of Carl Bernstein. Not that I completely disagree, but I'm reading them for a point. This dream that I had, this talk of personal accountability. If everyone truly went deep into themselves to live the truest, most honest life they could, many of these evils would not go on to spread and damage our society So what the hell does the impeachment trial have to do with personal accountability? What is all this talk of evil that Carl Bernstein speaks of? Well, everything. If I'm going to take messages delivered to me in my dreams, that quote means everything. It's about personal accountability, not rage of the actions of another. It's about me and me alone. Because if I worry about me, the rest will take care of itself. We're better to go than the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, my favorite, for words on personal accountability. He was a cultural critic. He shared ideas and thoughts on religion, psychology. He spoke of paving the way to the Ubermensch, a superior, absolutely free man. His life wasn't easy. It was tragic. He suffered greatly. Sure, I haven't haven't we all? He had a mental breakdown at age 44. He witnesses the beating of a horse and becomes overwhelmed with sadness and angst and wraps his arms around the neck of the horse and, according to at least legend, collapsed on the ground. And it's said that he never fully recovered from this event. Now, on a side note, you're going to have to imagine me, the narrator of this as a guy who actually lets flies out of the house in the summertime, so I can really relate with this. With this one, old Friedrich loves his horses. Anyway, the the beasts of burden, and Nietzsche certainly saw the the truth of existence in in the suffering that was taking place there. But what Nietzsche did was challenge ways of thinking, urging people to realize their extraordinary potential, to break through personal barriers, to find complete liberation and self-realization. How did he do it? Here's a few things that he did that he prescribed to people. Be an essentialist. Be brief. Concentrate on what's important. Don't compromise self to others' ideals. (laughs) Ha! current events, right? Focus on what is truly important in our lives. Another thing he said was be authentic. Take away all idolatry in life. Don't to follow herd mentality by denying one's true self. People are really very often unwilling to be authentic because it takes a lot of effort. It's hard work. One has to face the hardships and the denials and being rejected by other people for doing so. Self-discovery comes with self-owning. Have the courage to be oneself. Start saying no to some demands of others. If you think they're unfair, say no. Own the person you are. Don't be ashamed. Another thing he said, look for wisdom, not knowledge. By observing and experiencing things for oneself, one can and will grow in wisdom. Create your own concepts. Do not follow. Many are trapped in repetitive lifestyle, blindly following current trends or becoming slaves of our own environment. Seek only high-quality information. Put your will into things. Do not accept things such as I need a peace of mind, or don't accept untrue stories of paradise or blindly follow the words or sermons of a priest or politician. People are kept in check by being kept in fear. Preaching freedom in heaven for admitting sins, for instance, that's keeping people in fear. Don't hang around with anyone unwilling to totally reevaluate everything she or he has ever learned. Another thing he said was, never fear failure. How can you arise anew if you do not first become ashes, he said. Beautiful. On the verge of failure, continue to go after the things in your heart. Learn to become better than those around you by gaining more wisdom. Do not be afraid of failure. Rise like a phoenix from the ashes. Nietzsche talked about staying connected to nature, going for long walks nourishing oneself, allowing oneself to become reflective, let thoughts run wild, where insights can be gleaned. Be pragmatic. Reach solutions to your problems through first-hand experience. You can only truly learn through experience. You can't truly learn something by, say, reading a book. You can grow in knowledge, but not in actual wisdom. You could read the menu at a restaurant a hundred times and still never know what the dishes are really tastes like until you order it and sit down and actually consume it. Nietzsche believed that finding solutions for human problems should be a fundamental responsibility. And lastly, he said, be a dynamite. He said the words, I am not a man, I am dynamite. The ubermensch is a hypothetical superior human being in terms of his or her psychological capacities. And he said, be a dynamite by doing your work. Revolutionize old ways of thinking. Question traditions and ways of thinking. By being dynamite, it comes with a price. But the potential for someone taking the time to be dynamite has the potential to not only revolutionize themselves as an individual, but has the potential to revolutionize their family, their community, or even the world. What are you going to do? Thank you to the Wood Brothers for their gracious permission for the use of their song, Happiness Jones, as our theme music.
1: All of my wisdom came from all the toughest days. I never learned a thing being happy.
0: If you'd like a free downloadable PDF of The Happiness Quotient, A Course in Happiness, visit me at patreon.com slash the happiness quotient, or head over to eyesopenproductions.com slash happiness.
1: Jones.
0: For more information about me, to inquire about personal coaching, or public speaking in person or online, eyesopenproductions.com look for the word contact at the top click it, boom please, my friends share this episode with anyone that might find these words inspiring, I rely on the kindness of the listeners to share and distribute these episodes set your mind to things of good intent Even though the search can be dark and deep, something bright does await us, even in this tragedy that we call life. Thank you for visiting the Happiness Quotient. I will see you all real soon.
1: To the happiness, happiness. John's my friend. Happiness, John.
0: If you're still here, please, I would love it if you checked out my Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash Everest Mystery and my YouTube channel, Everest Mystery. Check me out. And as always, leave comments and share your thoughts whenever you can and share it with friends who might be interested in hearing or listening or watching. Thanks so much.